on today's show. It is part two of the Johnny and Donnie experience. The Don will be returning to the podcast to fill us in on all the things he's been geeking out over since we last talked. And much like the time heist in Avengers Endgame, we will be going over and creating an alternate reality as we discuss the same topics as we previously discussed with Johnny Leathers. All of that on part two of the Johnny and Donnie experience on Free Your Geek. By the power of Grayskull. Winter is coming. Finish him! Fatality. And welcome to Free Your Geek. I am your host, Jay Free. KB is still gone, and the previous episode was the Johnny and Donnie experience part one with Johnny Leathers. So now for the Johnny and Donnie experience part two, we have the glorious return of the man known as the Don. And the Don is joining us via telephone. Don, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? Oh, it's good to be back, and I'm feeling good, positive, good vibes. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So I did in the intro, uh, we talked about, let's let's kind of catch up since the last time we actually talked to you. I think we were doing predictions for the Game of Thrones series finale and what we want to see in the last couple episodes. So first and foremost, how did how did you feel? How did all of that end for you? I mean, I know it's it's kind of old hat at this point, but let's just kind of uh, briefly talk about it. How how did the series Game of Thrones end for you? Were you satisfied or were you sorely disappointed? Uh, it's a complete toss-up for me. I A lot of people were upset that Jon killed Daenerys. I thought there could be no other real way. She had, through all of the crap that she had been through, she had become the villain that she fought so hard to not be. And John being our, you know, our underdog hero the whole time, um, it, it just it made sense, especially with John not being the one to kill the Night King. Like John had to kill the bigger threat, and Daenerys had become the bigger threat with her dragons and whatnot. Now, now let me ask you: Do you think that the Daenerys storyline was rushed as far as her? Uh, fall from grace, so to speak. Like, did she? Do you think it happened too quickly? Do you think they could have drawn it out a little bit and actually, you know, done a little bit more with the storyline to see her kind of like su- not suffering per se, but kind of just like breaking down and turning into that villain? Could you? Would you want more story showing that, or do you think the way it was handled um, when she's in King's Landing and just decides to to burn everything? Do you think that was too rushed? I feel like the whole last season was completely rushed. It did have some very, very good points in the season, but um, I, I mean, we all could come up with a gazillion different, you know, ways for that show to end. I would have liked to see Daenerys hold a little bit of power. John returned to the North with, uh, you know, the queen of the North Sansa and let's have a battle between the North and the free folk and anybody else who, you know, opposes Daenerys because Daenerys lost almost all of her support. So anybody that she did have left, I would have loved a big battle between the North and Daenerys and and the North prevailing, truthfully. I mean, I, I've always been very partial to how Stark, you know, like the show really, really revolved around these these children growing up and becoming, you know, like almost legendary i mean aria is amazing but for aria to just roll away as she did just kind of leaves there's so much that i really feel like there was so much that could have been done beyond that so you think they left it open-ended i i definitely do well let me let me put it this way i'm glad you kind of mentioned how stark because that's a little seed for later on in the show we'll be talking a little bit about some of the starks if you will I ah, yes. I also I also want to point out, and this is going to be my other question to you. With the way they left it open ended, I know they're not doing any spinoffs per se. I know they're doing some 
uh, you know, some spinoffs in really in in kind of like the the series, like in the world of Westeros, but they're not going to be using the characters we've known in any of the spinoffs. But if they were to do an Arya spinoff of her like navigating and and kind of like exploring what's west of Re- Westeros, would you be down for that? Um, truthfully, the only way I would really be down. Well, let me just like put a tack in that real quick. I've um, I was also a book reader, you know. So the way Game of Thrones is set up is all POV. So I mean, there. If we were gonna do an Arya thing, like it would just have to be a continuation. I honestly like as much as I love Arya, um, Arya like uh, an entire show about Arya. I don't know would really do it for me. Arya had some very slow points, like season two, um, you know, where she was on the road. There, there are just like a lot of. Arya's an amazing character, not taking anything away from her, but I don't think I could follow a show strictly around Arya. What if she had a great uh, supporting cast with her? Maybe like uh, Jaken or, uh, or uh, I don't know, maybe like, you know, just her snippy attitude. I think like if somebody, the man of many faces followed her, uh, I don't know, the many-faced god, you know, per se. Uh, I don't know. how I, I'd kind of I'd kind of be interesting in seeing them. And we saw how she was with the Hound, so imagine her meeting like another character kind of like big and boisterous like that and like uh, a braggart and just somebody that's a little bit like more cocky and she's just coming in and she's like i know i can kick your ass type of thing or just being snarky to him i think that'd be kind of fun i you know Arya did have some very good relationships you mentioned the hound you know but something even further than that sticks out in my head and it's like in correlation to brianne like brianne is you know the knight version of Arya grown i guess i you know when you realistically this is the truth i'll watch anything game of thrones i'm gonna watch you know the prequel that uh we're gonna get hit with in what 2020 so i mean i i am i am always going to be a fan even being let down remotely with the with how the show ended i'm still excited to see it but the way when you put it like that i mean realistically i would fall in love with the new characters as i feel like i will next year when we get you know when we get our next installment of the game of thrones series you know i absolutely agree and that that remains to be seen with which characters we're going to be introduced to but i'm wondering if it's set in a, such a prequel world like how can they it's it's tougher for me because knowing like what the end result is going to be as far as the series that we just concluded to kind of do a prequel to it and say like well, let's show you like all the history before any of that even happens if you kind of like know where if you know the answer to the riddle like you know do you want to see like the build up to it I, I don't know well well uh, I guess it, like I said remains to be seen once that comes out I uh, do have to just throw a really really quick one in because yeah go for it in in defense of that where you know like how you're like oh you know like I already know the end result. Um, a show that I was very into pre-Game of Thrones was a show called Spartacus. Now, in season one, we had an amazing – it was amazing. And then our, our main character, the lead who played Spartacus, you know, he got riddled with cancer and was not able to continue to reprise that role. And what they had to do is scramble around, and they they actually did a backstory for season two for House Badiatis. And it ended up – at first, I was like, I don't want to see this because I already know where this goes – but in doing that, they were able to introduce us to, like, other characters. Now, in this next Game of Thrones thing, we're going to see, like, houses being built. And I don't mean physical houses. I mean houses as in like you House and I Stark, know. House Targaryen. Yes, exactly. House and in Baratheon. this time period, I, I truly feel like we're, we will actually get to see um, Volantis. Am I saying it right? Am... Your, your guess is as good yeah. as mine. You're, you're more of the expert on that, that side I know, than I am. I know. I, my brain had like once game of, you know, like it's crazy because I've watched every single episode of game of Thrones multiple times minus that last episode. That's the only episode I've only watched once. Well, I um, mean, and, and you know, if anyone was to only be watched once, I, I think, you know, depending on how you felt about it, like I get that, but it's, it's, it's cool because like once a series is over, you kind of like, um, compartmentalize it. And it's like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm wrapping it all of it up. And now that it's ended, okay, I know how it ended. So it's it's almost like I'm not going to really continually think about this anymore because we've seen the end. This is like the end of the story. You're not going to go yeah. back into the story and be like, oh, yeah, remember that, remember that. Because depending on how you felt on the ending, it, it can kind of like skew your perspective. But also, my friend, another – look, I, I threw Spartacus in the mix. 
you and I grew up with episode four, five, and six, and then we went back for one, two, and three, and now we get six. You know what I mean? We get so you're seven. you're in just you're referring to Star Wars, and absolutely. Um, I'll tell you this, and I've said it on the podcast before. I did not start with episodes four, five, and six. I started with one, two, and three because I was never I was never a Star Wars person. Ah, uh, I do actually remember that. I mean, okay, I mean the, the general masses, my friend, you know. Right. But I do, I do have to say this: as far as Game of Thrones goes, like as a series, it's amazing. You cannot judge that series by the last season. I am eternally grateful for Game of Thrones. It was an it was an amazing show. Like the the cast was amazing. The writing was amazing. Mostly the cinematography. Uh, mostly, I like that. Listen, listen. We're gonna go seasons one through six. We're epic. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, epic. and I, I, yeah, and we can we can go down a rabbit hole into that for sure, and continue to talk about that. But I, I mean, I don't know. I just I I enjoyed it. Like I, I feel like there. I enjoyed every season. I think there. This last one was a little rushed, but the end all be all. Like they got where they wanted to go without giving us a lot of the um, meat of the story, which I'm kind of disappointed by, but at the same time I get it because they're just, you know, rushing and they wanted to get over with. So, ah, true. And now speaking of game of Thrones and series that are getting critical acclaim, such as game of Thrones, we also talked a little offline, uh, the series that I've been kind of getting you into. And I was telling you about the boys, let's talk let's talk quickly about the boys just we 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 went over all of it with myself and kb but give us a fifty thousand foot view of what you thought i i love it i love it for the, the the whole concept of it it is gritty it is superheroes who are actually humanized in some sense because you see how crappy that they can actually be i mean we get it right am i allowed to spoil obviously you guys already did this i mean right off yeah, the spoil rip, spoil away yeah, Starlight, the second she joins the team, I mean, look at the like what she has to deal with. I mean, the Deep is a, a shit, shit character. Um, I'm sorry. Um, it's all good. But beyond that, like, it's crazy because, you know, the, you and I speak quite a bit. And, like, my favorite character on that show still to this day, even with the things that he does, is Homelander. I mean... That all-American boy, that like facade that he puts on, that he is like Mister Perfect, and da da da. He is just an amazing, well put together character, and you see his issues. Like you see all of their issues, but for somebody who they try to portray as so well put together, this man has crazy, crazy issues. Um, well, dude, I, I was then, gonna say, I was gonna oh, say real quick. You, you said he's Mister Perfect. Uh, he will. Uh, he will never be Kurt Henning, sir. He will um, not. <laughs> I love um, Kurt Henning, no, but I, I do want to point out that like, you mentioned the deep being kind of a dick, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, in the comic book, it's actually Homelander that does that to her. So, well, this is great that you brought up the comic. So, um, a friend of mine, another vendor, uh, was telling me about just how raw that comic is and it's not just one person that homelander makes her do it's the cold squad yeah so i gotta go back and read that yeah it's from what i hear it is like what you and i've watched on the boys is like a pg-13 version of what this comic could put out which is also i mean like the one real comic series or graphic novel series that i have been into is the walking dead now with the walking dead being on an amc they can't do as much as the graphic novels could do so i mean like in, in a situation like this i am interested in in the graphic novels of the boys because i can't wait for season two my friend yeah i cannot wait and if you go back and listen to one of our older podcasts uh seth rogan's already watched a rough cut of the first episode of season two as he's one of the executive producers and he says it's even better than season one. Oh, good so i can't I see i can't wait yeah i, I agree i i completely now, agree i don't want to jump around too much but you mentioned the walking dead are you all caught up with the comic books um, I'm not, I, so I, I mentioned the walking dead and I was a very, very avid walking dead fan. Um, the second we lost Carl, we lost me in, in the, on the series in the, in the, on the series, in the not, television in the, not in the graphic novels, now, but are, like, so, yep. I, oh, but I was going to ask you on the graphic novels, are you all caught up? I am not. No, I still, I, so I would buy the compendiums and at uh, 50 bucks a pop, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Don't, well, so know. just so you know, no, it's, I'm not going to spoil what happens in the story, but you know 
uh, issue 193 was the last issue. Kirkman ended the series. I don't know so if you bad. knew that. So it's it's I don't know when the next compendium is coming out, but if it's the final story, you get to find out what happens to Carl, what happens to Rick, what happens to Michonne, all in the comic books. And it's very, very interesting, and it's a very unique uh, take. Um, we, I think we spoiled it on a previous podcast episode, so don't go back and listen to that if you haven't read it. <laughs> but uh, it's it's amazing. It's It's absolutely incredible. Um, it's an interesting way to they, they, they didn't go the, the easy route with the ending of the, the book, which I thought was cool. Um, but yeah, so we've been seeing speaking of The Walking Dead, we've been seeing trailers uh, for the new season uh, from San Diego Comic-Con. Have you seen any of those or should we skip over uh, those? Um, we uh, on anything like that, we would have to skip over like okay. my love, like by me losing Carl on that show, I kind of like lost my love for it. And it, it got to a point when The Walking Dead, at least in my opinion, where there's only so much you can do. And I feel like up until Negan, like they hit me with everything. Negan was like the end all be all. And now, like, I understand that the whispers came into play and that, you know, Rick is in Europe, you know. Right. Well, we're speculating yeah, yeah. that Rick is in Europe, you know. Well, let me put it this but, way, um, dude. If you, when you, next time you and I see each other, I'm going to play you the scene with the whisperers with the pikes. And if that doesn't grab you, that gutted me, dude. That, so then maybe I do. Maybe I need to jump back in that swimming pool so, and yeah, get back in the walking uh, dead. Within this previous season, Angela Kang took over as showrunner and like basically reinvent not reinvented the series, but brought it in my opinion, brought it back to the prominence of, you know, maybe season two, three, four. Um, Ooh, the good so, ones. so you should you should definitely check that out. Um, yeah. you know, I, I'm, of course I'm, I'm throwing all this stuff down at you. I'm raining all this stuff down on you. You probably need an umbrella. And speaking <laughs> of umbrella, let's talk about the umbrella Academy. Uh, I know you watched that. I've only seen the first episode or two. Um, but just give us a synopsis of what you thought of that. And then let's get into some topics. So now I watched the umbrella Academy before I jumped into the boys, which it's, it's crazy because like you and I spoke and the boys is, you know, the rip, not the rip off. It's, it's like a, a different version of the justice league. Now, when I watch, when I watched the umbrella Academy, I brought this up to you and they remind me of alpha flight, which is a, is an X-Men reference. They're like the oddball heroes. Yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're the Canadian version of the Avengers, but they're made up of mostly mutants. I believe yeah. like North star and, and puck and Sasquatch. And all those oh, other characters. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, not Gladiator, Guardian. And then, I remember Wolverine taking on all of them in the animated series, and I loved it. Oh, we, I we, loved ooh, it. I want. I got to go watch that animated series again. I think that's on Netflix or something. We'll, we'll, we'll... And if it's not, your buddy right here has got the whole series for oh, you. Right, so I I'm got down. you covered. I'm down, brother. <laughs> I'm down. But yeah, let's get back to the Umbrella Academy. Uh, yeah, what, what do you think of it? How would you describe it if it's like the the, the oddball group, if you will? So I, well, basically like the old man collect, uh, you know, all these children are born on the same day through mothers who are like immaculate conceptions. You know what I mean? These, these women are not pregnant when they wake up and then they have their full term pregnancy given birth within a few hours. You know what I mean? By the end of the day, say, um, these, these children that this man like takes in, like they, their powers, would seem pretty extraordinary you know you have like one with super like strength and speed and agility and can bounce all over the place and i love the girl who has the power of persuasion because i don't know if you know this about me personally but i am a big fan of the show heroes which is very very old now for me to be bringing up but there was a character on show who had the power of persuasion now i like that the female character in umbrella academy who has that but she does not hold a candle to my favorite, favorite character, which is uh, his he's referenced to as number five. He's the time jumper. He reminds me of Hiro Nakamura, which is also another heroes reference I'm throwing in right now, um, which was look at that show was so heroes was so impactful to me that I I am the type of person if I'm not hooked in the first five minutes of a TV show, you're not going to catch me. You know what I mean? I took to the umbrella academy so quick because like in one of the opening scenes like with the bank robbery you see all of these kids come into play um like all of their powers and everything I, I really really loved it it was it was wild but um like the time jumping and everything like oh his five storyline is epic 
like to know the life that he lived and there is uh oh my god i'm gonna throw like a fringe reference and i don't even know if you know what fringe is it's joshua jackson uh it's, pacey. it's also pacey from dawson's pa- creek pacey from dawson's creek good stuff so there are um there are like time police and same thing like in, in fringe there was also like a group and they were all named after like months of a year like the one who stuck out to me which was the main the main of the uh God, I can't remember. It's so old. It's such a, it's so, so long ago, but September was one of the ones who was trying to help the fringe group. Now, um, five maybe gets lost in time, you know, and the time police see that this guy has survived through an apocalypse and, and is still like continuing to live. He goes a little, uh, uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway, if you will, cuckoo. you know, with the man. Yeah. He goes a little cuckoo with the mannequin piece, but I mean, he ends up getting a job with them and can't really hang with what they want him to do. Uh, spoiler alert, they wanted him to assassinate Kennedy and he couldn't do it. So that's what, you know, I, I didn't mean to do that to you. No, it's okay. You know, I, I'll, I know, I'll eventually get to that show. I, I do know that you will watch the show. Like, I know that you will. It's it's right up our alley. Um, and that's what actually the scene that you see five coming back. Cause I know you did watch the first episode. That's yep. where he's coming back from, but, um, they're trying to stop an apocalypse from happening and they don't really know how the apocalypse is going to happen. Even the time jumper doesn't really know how, but, um, he comes back and, you know, they're all trying to figure it out. Now, some of these, some of these characters, like, obviously, like I'm mentioning, the time jumper and I'm mentioning the girl with the power of persuasion and the guy with super strength and agility. They also have a very, you know, obviously you and I live in fall river. We see the type of, you know, people who, you know, are around here or whatever. They have a character on the show who can speak to dead people. Like he can see dead people. And I don't understand really what that would do as a superpower, but this this guy like dulls his senses by, you know, getting high or, you know, whatever it may be. So he doesn't have to deal with that. I never really understood. Like he's a very, the, the, the character is very complex on the show and, and, you know, he brings a certain grittiness or a certain realism to the superhero team by, you know, by, having an issue like that but i just don't understand like what would that really benefit a superhero team there's also a character who you have seen in the first episode who can turn himself into what i assume is some sort of like octopus monster and oh i don't even know if well actually yeah you must have because you've noticed that the whole team is not there right so he he dies somehow and we don't know it's completely left on sub the only the only connection is that the, the, the character who can speak to dead people, like he is always on his side, whether he's trying to dull his senses or not. So you can tell that they must have had some bond, but we didn't really get that storyline. Like we didn't get that much of it. It, it. But look at here it is. I'm like, I need to know. So I can't wait for season two so I can find out what really happened with that whole situation. So, um, so we're kind of all over the map here, but I want to just say that we <laughs> talked about the boys and we talked about the Umbrella Academy. And then you mentioned uh, somebody that can see dead people. So it's almost like you're referencing the sixth sense with the oh. little boy played by Haley Joel Osment, who also who played Mesmer in the boys. <laughs> I just had to tie that all together. Dude, and, I knew it. And hey, you know how we do it, baby? Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, and that's it. And if, if you know, and speaking of, you know, between that and heroes and whatnot, and you're seeing dead people, the only one that can't die is the cheerleader, because if you save the cheerleader, you save the world. Save the world. Um, oh, goodness. So I'm just tying that all together. Um, speaking of tying together, you ready to get into some topics? I don't know. That I was, am ready that, for topics. That was a really crappy segue, but I want to just talk about some. <laughs> let's 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 rewind that. Hey, speaking of streaming stuff, let's talk about some of the streaming things that are happening right now in the world of comic books. Um, so, I'm gonna very briefly. I, I mentioned it in the last podcast. Um, D23 Expo. Uh, we briefly touched upon it yesterday, but they're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind at Epcot which is going to be interesting. It's going to be a brand new attraction featuring the latest innovation from Walt Disney Imagineering, a storytelling coaster that rotates 360 degrees to focus your attention on the action, including the first reverse launch of a Disney coaster. So they're building that right now. It's going to basically take place mostly on Xandar. 
As I mentioned, I wanted to see Nova Prime. Uh, I'm also a fan of, in the movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Nova Prime's assistant. And uh, my, I was it. Is it Michael C. Riley that plays John C. Riley? John C. Riley. Well, John C. Riley. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. I just had a major faux pas. Um, yeah, John C. Riley. I, I love his his just the actor. So I'm hoping these guys like film like parts of it and and do like the video of that. But we talked about that yesterday. Uh, so in case you haven't heard it, Don. Um, speaking of streaming, do you have any streaming? And I did the same thing to Johnny Leathers. But do you have any streaming radio? Do you listen to Pandora, perhaps? I do listen to Pandora. Okay, well, you know, the date that we're recording this is Wednesday, August 28th. So I need to mention that during Marvel's 80th anniversary panel at the D23 Expo in 2009, Marvel, Sirius, and Pandora announced plans to launch an all-new exclusive music station and a limited-time channel, Marvel's 80th, The Road to Marvel Comics number 1000 to celebrate 80 years of Marvel. The Pandora Station and a limited-time Sirius XM Channel 4 and Sirius XM On Demand start Thursday, August 29th. And that is being released two days. So the 31st of this month, August 31st, is Marvel's 80th birthday. So two days prior to that, tomorrow on Thursday, they're going to be releasing a special Pandora Station called Marvel's 80th, The Road to Marvel Comics number 1000. Now I have a question for you. Is this a, a podcasting station? I don't believe so. I think if I'm reading the description correctly, it says it's going to take listeners on a journey through eight decades of music, pop culture, and the Marvel Universe starting in 1939, the historic year that featured the debut of the Human Torch and marked the birth of the sprawling Marvel Universe that fans know today. Wow. So it, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to check this out. Yeah. So, it, you know, on your way to work tomorrow, maybe you check that station out and see if I was talking with Johnny Leathers yesterday. I said, imagine how cool it would be as if, like, you know, you're talking about Captain America, you know, in the World War Two and then like the time he was unfrozen and and all that. And you're playing music, you know, or, or like throughout Captain America's decades. Maybe we talk about the Human Torch. Maybe we talk about the Submariner. Maybe we talk about. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about as far as pop culture, but toward the end of the podcast, I'm going to make a recommendation for you to check out as well, uh, speaking of Marvel and anniversaries. But moving along, and let's talk some more about some streaming services. Uh, Don, I don't know if you've heard, there's this little thing coming out in November tw- on November 12th of this year called Disney+. Plus. Are, are you familiar with that at all? I am over the top familiar with that this is going to take all of what well specifically my favorite like i i know you are a big fan of dc i i draw the line and i'm very much on the marvel side and then also disney owns the rights to to my favorite you know my favorite nerddom of all and and that's star wars baby oh so i mean we're gonna get into that but are you are you planning to uh subscribe to that service absolutely for do now do you know about the special that they're offering right now please by all means share okay so as as you may or may not know once once it launches on november 12th it's going to cost six dollars and 99 cents a month however Disney Plus is set to officially launch it in the U.S., Canada, and the Netherlands on November 12th, but the company is allowing members of its D23 fan club, which you can sign up for for free, to pre-order the service at a significant discount. From now until September 2nd, Disney is offering a Founders Circle deal for the streaming service that cuts $23 off its annual price, making it cost just $3.92 a month. The only catch is you have to sign up for three years of the service at once, which comes out to one forty ninety seven. So for one hundred and forty one dollars, you get three years, and it works out to three dollars and ninety two cents a month, as opposed to six ninety nine a month. And so, think of all the content that you get for that three dollars oh, and whatever since more. We're going to be talking. Ooh. We're going to be talking about some stuff. I got like like four paragraphs to read. Uh, let's talk about some shows that are coming to Disney Plus. Let's talk about, have you heard about Marvel's Hero Project? Tell me, please. Okay. I need a it is the first produced non-fiction unscripted series by Marvel New Media. It's going to premiere on the launch of Disney Plus on Tuesday, November 12th. The remaining episodes were going to be released weekly on Fridays, starting with episode two on Friday, November 15th. Now, you may be asking yourself, Jay Free, 
What is Marvel's Hero Project actually about? Well, the description of the show says, In life, it doesn't take wearing a suit of iron, carrying a mythical hammer, or swinging from a spider web to be a real hero. Sometimes the person who can make a positive difference in the world is the person who simply sees a problem and has the passion to find a creative solution. The first of its kind for Marvel Entertainment, the 20-episode series, shares the remarkable, positive change several young heroes are making in their own communities across the country. These inspiring kids have dedicated their lives to selfless acts of bravery and kindness, and now... Marvel celebrates them as true superheroes they are by welcoming by welcoming them into the Marvel Hero Project. So essentially, it sounds like it's going to just be a bunch of uh, you know kids trying to help out their communities, whether it's you know teaching kids to read, feeding the poor, just doing putting more good into the world, which I think is like always a, a very positive and and great thing to do, trying to be like the change that you see in the world, so to speak. Thoughts on that? I find that to be beautiful because it's not you know. There's not super villains in our world, right? Well, there are super villains in our world right now, just not to the extent as we see in the cinematic or comic universes. So that that these young people are being selfless like that and actually putting effort into their community, that that really makes me proud. Like that makes me very very happy. It, it, ma- it makes me happy to be like part of this like geekdom, this nerddom, this fandom. You know what I mean? Like this this community of like people that like this stuff and like, hey, guess what? Now I'm I'm taking the not even the lessons per se, but I'm I'm using them as like these heroes and the good they do and just the 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 goodness they put out in the world and, and the the bravery and the effort and just the the diligence and, and I'm gonna do the same thing to try to help make the world a better place and I think that's amazing. Exactly. Like honestly, and positive energy is contagious young minds will watch this and they will watch normal human beings doing something positive in their communities. They're, they're going to be helping people and that's going to want to spark something inside them. We all know we cannot be Superman. We're not going to get bit by a radioactive spider and be Spider-Man. We're not going to have Thor's hammer and rule Asgard. Like none of these things are going to happen in real life, but I can tell you this, like, helping some kid learn how to read, you know, you know, going to a food pantry and and sitting there and feeding the homeless, you know, like these are the type of things that human beings can do now. And that stuff will be contagious. I'm telling you, like the young, like this generation, like the people who, who watch this and who buy into this, like, I'm telling you this positivity can start rolling. And before you know it, like, oh, God, it's like it's like a wildfire of, of good energy and people doing good. You know, it's paying it forward. It's like a domino so, like, effect. It is completely a domino effect. And, you know, when these people who are, say, like, they learn how to read and, you know, they can then go on and help somebody else. Same thing with the, just any sort of volunteer work. Those are those are real heroes. The people who do it not for a pat on their back, the people who go, <clears throat> excuse me volunteer their time and really make a difference like the ones who don't need everybody to know those are the real heroes it's it's like when you when you see like um things that are done either online or through social media that you know it's done for publicity but then you see like or you hear stories about like for example johnny depp going to like addressing as jack sparrow and going to like a kid's hospital and there's like no publicity there's no press for it but you hear it kind of like oh yeah he does that all the time and it's like, well, he doesn't do it for the fame or for the recognition. He does it because he wants to, you know, put some positivity in children's lives, you know, exactly. or, or just like you, like you said, just like the, the general, like average person sacrificing their time, sacri- you know, performing a service, thinking of others rather than themselves all the time. And that's just, I think that's just a beautiful thing. And it I think that, I think that's some good stuff to put in the world. I agree with you. I'm glad you told me about that because that, that just that brought more positivity into my life. Well, I'm glad I'm glad to leave some positivity. So before we bring down this positivity, we're going to talk about some more streaming shows on Disney Plus and some movie news. But before we do that, we're going to go to break and we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, everyone. I want to quickly tell you about 4041 Media. 4041 Media is a collection of podcasts in the southern New England area. 
And in addition to the great show that is Free Your Geek, you can check out 4041media.com and listen to the Psych Your Crime podcast to figure out why the crazies commit the crimes that they do. Or if movies are more your thing, check out the cast of characters at Movie Theater Time Machine. You can hear all of that at 4041media.com. That's 4041media.com. 4041media, for listeners, by listeners. And welcome back to the Free Your Geek podcast. I am Jay Free. On the phone, filling in for KB, is the Don. Don, welcome back. Hey, hey. And as I mentioned on the last podcast with Johnny Leathers, I'm not saying I'm replacing KB as a co-host. I'm just not not saying that either. <laughs> um, but no, it's just, it's good. I love I love having different people on the show. I mean, it's as we mentioned uh, in the last episode, we kind of had we were actually doing a live show at your place for a while. Um, and then we moved it back into my place with the studio shut down. Um, you know, we moved to your place, then this place. And we can't really do live video in here. We're kind of crammed. It's like, uh, as as an old adage from my WWF days, it's like a can of sardines over here. But um, it's it's crazy tight. But it's good to like now that I have a lot of the equipment and I can hear you on the phone and you sound like amazing as you normally do, sir. Um, it's it's great. It's great. But uh, let's get back on topic here. And I have a lot to read about this because at D twenty three Expo. We have a couple new shows that were uh, announced. I don't know if you heard for Disney Plus. Have you heard about this? I've heard about one that I'm super excited about, but I want you to guide the way, sir. All right. So this is going to be a little bit of a a novel that I'm going to read here. But all of these articles, by the way, are coming from Marvel.com. So I'll just skim over some of this stuff. Uh, Disney Plus, D23 Expo, we all know that. Marvel fans got an extra special treat when Kevin Feige took the stage to not only give fans a glimpse of upcoming shows such as already announced Miss Marvel, Camilla Khan, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk, but also to surprise fans with announcements of other things planned for Disney+. Plus. So before we get into that, just thoughts on some of the new shows first. She-Hulk, I am going to be honest, I'm not that excited about. Uh, you... You and I spoke about this. You were the person who introduced me to the whole Moon Knight storyline. I am so thrilled to get to see this on screen. Like, I I know that um, you knew I was a fan of the Marvel shows on Netflix. I'm actually very happy that Disney's doing what they're doing. The only thing that I'm going to – I'm just going to say this. I get a little – bit concerned that we can't get super gritty but with a character like moon knight from what i know from what you've told me i feel like we're going to have an adult feel to this well they they did announce that it's going to be uh, all the shows on disney plus are going to be pg-13 so i think we can see like a gritty but not like overly violent and gory like we saw on the tvma netflix series but there is still hope that if they marvel decides to go that route they can move all their harder their edgier stuff over to Hulu. So it's well, it's possible. I'm hoping for a Nick at night type aspect. You know what I mean? Kids should be sleeping by nine. Their programming should be done by then. Prime time's on. Think of when Game of Thrones comes on. Think of when Walking Dead comes on. Can you picture like a Disney Plus like, all right, kids, time to go to sleep. Daddy's yeah. turn. Well, they'd have, they'd have to do it. Like it, it would work like a Netflix where you'd have to have your parental controls on. Oh, see, because it's not going to. Yeah, it's not going to be like a live TV type of thing. It's going to be. It's going to be a streaming service such as like a Hulu or a Netflix. So you'd have to yeah, put you your. Know, but um, I want to talk about some of the other stuff. Uh, so let me read these next three paragraphs. Um, fans who are awaiting news about Marvel Studios' The Falcon and Winter Soldier were pleased as the, the titular characters themselves, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, appeared on stage to talk to the director. Carrie Scogland and writer Malcolm Spellman and Kevin Feige about the upcoming series. They were also surprised by the appearance of Emily Van Camp, who revealed she's going to be reprising her role as Sharon Carter on the new Disney Plus show. The surprises didn't stop as fans met Wyatt Russell, who will, who will be playing John Walker, a character that most comic book fans will recognize. And I'm going to leave that for you to research. Marvel Studios, The Falcon and Winter Soldier will launch on Disney Plus in 2020. So we know we're going to get Sharon Carter in there uh, reprising her role. So maybe they're going to set up a romance with her and Bucky. What are your thoughts on that? 
Mm, I would say, in all honesty, Falcon and Winter Soldier are just add-on characters for me, for my favorite Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, I will definitely watch this. But as far as Sharon Carter goes, like, she was like a mini love interest of Cap in what Civil War? <laughs> like, well, that, that's that's why I think Soldier, that's yeah. why I think they're re- reintroducing her because in in Civil War. Falcon and, and uh, Winter Soldier were crammed into that like VW bug or whatever that car was, and they were watching uh, Sharon and Steve talk, and they both yeah. gave him a look when he kissed her, like, you the man. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, honestly, maybe like when I see a little more on it, I'll get excited, but just from hearing, you know what I mean, like hearing about this, like, it's a guy with wings who shoots guns, and it's a guy with a robot arm who shoots guns, I mean... But you're you're it's going you're going to have the Captain America version of the Falcon though. He'll have the shield. Yeah, but he's he's still not right. Captain America. How, the shield well, don't make the man. The man makes the shield. Let me let me spoil it for you then. So for those folks that don't want to be spoiled by that character, John Walker, he is almost like a homage to Captain America, if you will, because he's a character in the comics known as U.S. Agent. So uh, I'm wondering if they're gonna he's gonna play the villain, like maybe like uh, or like try to be like the the thing I'm thinking of when they announced him is like do you remember um I know you said I'm a DC guy more than a Marvel guy but I I love both so I I kind of take umbrage of that but do you remember uh the Dark Knight uh is it the Dark Knight yeah the Dark Knight um I'm not wearing hockey pads <laughs> yeah. So like I like a like almost like there's these Batman uh, wannabes or like trying to like be their own you know take the law into their own hands and be a, a hero and be like you know a, a, their own Batman and try to be a hero for the the city. I'm wondering yeah. if they're gonna do U.S. Agent as kind of like that, like he's trying to be the new Captain America or something like that, or at least pay homage to him and it's gonna go all wrong. I don't know. That's very interesting though. That would be pretty cool. But yeah, U.S. Agent going to be on the uh, the new Falcon and Winter Soldier show. How oh, about? Oh, it's a show. Yeah, it's, it's a show. show. It's, it's not. A not movie? No, no, no. These are all these are all series. These are ten op- ten episode series on. I believe they're ten episodes. So in in light similar to Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, Disney Plus is going to have their own streaming shows. I'm interested gonna, in that, but okay. I, okay. I'm, I'm thinking like of a, of a big movie like Winter Soldier. And no, Falcon. well, like, that's that's no. why Disney Plus makes like perfect sense because some of these characters that wouldn't have their own movie or they're not going to be like, we don't need to make a whole movie on these characters, but we can do a 10-episode series or a 12-episode series. Yeah. Or, you know, I think it'd be great. Um, so another, another series that's coming out, uh, one of the most anticipated shows from Marvel Studios on Disney Plus is WandaVision. And the stars of the show, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, were on hand. Fans learned about the show, which features the characters Wanda Maximoff and Vision as two superpowered beings living in their ideal suburban lives who begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. Fans were surprised to see familiar faces in Cat Dennings, as seen in Marvel Studios' Thor, and Randall Park, as seen in Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp, joined the stage to share that they would be reprising their MCU roles in the show alongside a new character played by Katherine Hahn. Director Matt Shackman and head writer Jack Schaefer joined everyone on stage to explain that the streaming series will blend the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the style of classic sitcoms. Your thoughts on that? Oh, goodness. Oh, so it looks like it's going to be kind I of am, like an alternate alternate type of show. Like it's going to be like Wanda, Wanda and Vision, like in like a, a Friends atmosphere. That's exactly the show that popped into my head as Friends. Like Friends with superheroes, like use their powers as like. Well, this is this is Vision face through the kitchen wall and like here's your dinner, honey. And so like, oh wait, you forgot the pepper and like levitates it to herself this is what's kind of sticking out as me is, is uh elizabeth olsen is also going to be reprising her role as scarlet witch in the new doctor strange movie that's coming out and i think it's coming out um i don't know if it's because oh, yeah this the wandavision's not coming to disney plus until 2021 so the first series is going to be falcon and winter soldier but wandavision isn't going to happen until 2021 and i think that's around the time that the doctor strange movie is coming out so maybe something happens in the Doctor Strange movie. I don't want to like spoil it for you, but I don't know if you read House of M many many years ago, where the Scarlet Witch goes crazy and says no more mutants. Well, obviously, and mutants, she shuts their 
she yeah. she basically eliminates all mutants in the uh, the Marvel comics universe. But what if something similar happens where she kind of like you know Doctor Strange is teaching her to use her powers and then she goes a little cuckoo, and she ends up uh, you know basically doing damage to herself. So in order to save her, he performs kind of like a mystical lobotomy on her, and this is all in her mind. Yeah, the same way that Professor X did to Jean Grey. That's a recipe for disaster. Right. So who knows? Who knows where we're going to be going with that in the future? But I think that's a way they could get there. But I think it's going to be kind of interesting. And you know, Cat Dennings, who played—I don't remember her name—Marcy from the Thor movies. Yeah, I can. Yeah. But uh, Randall Park, also known as Asian Jim from The Office, or he played the. Uh, I believe the FBI agent that was, uh, you know, kept checking on. Like, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. From uh, from um from Ant Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if they're going to be like the the co- like their friend couple or something. Are they going to just be like a weird? I don't I don't know how they're going to work those two in, but it's it sounds like a very interesting uh, scenario. I mean, I'm and I'm a, what, I can I, just picture like a Seinfeld esque like theme to it, like. And what is the deal with mutant powers? I mean, some of them aren't even powerful. And what's the deal with this Mind Stone? Why is it no longer in my head? Uh, I can picture, like, the Jerry character being like, Thanos. Oh, so funny. So funny. But, uh, yeah, imagine, like, then you have just, like, these one-off characters, like, Uh, coming back. Uh, I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, And then lastly, uh, well, two things. Uh, Next up, we're treated to a taste of Marvel Studios' Loki. So... Obviously, uh, Tom Hiddleston is going to be reprising his role from the series for I don't know how many episodes in, in that television series. He's a uh, but he promised they, they Loki promises to bring back the popular villain and further adventures that take place after the events of Endgame. So we saw in Endgame. So spoilers, if you haven't watched Endgame yet, in one of the in, during the time heist, he gets a hold of the Tesseract and ends up. Uh, basically teleporting out of the events of the first Avengers movie. So this created an alternate timeline. So I think we're going to see Loki before he was redeemed, when he's still the evil being, going traversing around this new world with the Tesseract. So I think think that'll be kind of cool. I'd be interested in that. And now, have you heard about the What If uh, series that's coming to Disney Plus? Um, I... I've seen the link all over Facebook. I haven't clicked on it. Okay, well, have you have you ever read the What If comic book stories, or the What If What If series in comic books? Are you familiar with it at all? Uh, The only reason I am remotely familiar with it is because uh, the three of us, me, you, and KB, like before we went going on air, you guys like talked about it. Uh, I'm losing you a little bit, Donnie. Um, Oh, there you go. uh, Now you're back. Now you're back. We um we spoke about you guys actually like filled me in on it before going on the air a long time ago. So just to give a synopsis, a what if basically takes events that have already occurred in comics, or at least the characters that you know, and then change it a little bit. Uh, so for example, uh, are you familiar with the Age of Apocalypse storyline? Absolutely. So basically, Legion goes back in time to kill Magneto. He accidentally kills Professor Xavier. What if takes that storyline? What if? Legion were successful in killing Magneto. How would that storyline change and how would it affect the Marvel 616 universe that we're aware of? So they're doing a, an animated series on Disney Plus with the the actors from the MCU providing their voices for the characters. So wow. basically, let me read this paragraph. Fans around the world have been wondering what to expect from Marvel Studios' What If? And the answer was a familiar face in that of Haley Atwell, who portrayed Agent Carter, on the big and little screen. Atwell revealed she's going to be voicing Peggy Carter in the Marvel Studios' first animated series, and it focuses on different heroes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and poses the question, what if, and lets the fans see what could have happened if the events in the films turned out differently. So the first one's going to be, what if Peggy Carter received the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers? So I'm I'm curious. So again, it's going to just take a different spin on all these MCU storylines. Or what if, you know, the Winter Soldier wasn't brainwashed? Or, you know, what if Bucky had died? How would that play out? Maybe. What if Ultron really worked out the way that Stark wanted it to? Right. There's so many crazy, crazy theories. But that's all what's happening on Disney Plus from the Marvel side. Um, do you want to keep on Disney Plus and talk about some Star Wars stuff, or do you want to hop over and talk about some Marvel movies? I just wanted, like, very, very briefly, briefly say I am most excited for the Obi Wan Kenobi series 
like as far as Disney Plus goes, I heard that we are going to have an Obi Wan Kenobi series, and we're actually going to have Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi. And I'm I'm so psyched for that. But there's also another series coming out called The Mandalorian, which is going to be on Disney Plus. Oh, oh my goodness! So the Western themed that looks so amazing. So I've watched the trailer four times today alone. Like, so oh my god! So let's 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 take a step back because as I mentioned on the previous podcast, I am not as big. Uh, into the Star Wars universe, and Johnny Leathers gave a synopsis of The Mandalorian. Why don't you give me your synopsis of what The Mandalorian is to try to like kind of like pitch it to me, pitch pitch the idea of the show to me? I would pick the bet the most simplest way that I can pitch it to you is one of the most badass characters in Star Wars, who is not a Jedi, Boba Fett. Like that's where his DNA comes from. I even go further back than like further than back than Boba Fett like to the Clone Wars the animated series we got to see these characters in action already these Mandalorian bounty hunters were able to fight against Jedi and Sith as if it was nothing as if their powers meant squat so what I'm getting excited for is this new world like I mean these are this is huge like it's not like I'm getting another animated series like now we're gonna get I don't know, like live action, that's the words I'm looking for. We're going to get a live action of this stuff that I've already had like little bits and pieces of through through the animated series that I was such a fan of. What I also get excited about is it looks like there are so many uh, – it, it almost seems like they're on Tatooine first off. Like some of the, the alien characters, like the girl with the two big tails like on her head. Like I don't know. I, I get excited for like all of this like – because I, I'm not sure if you know this. I'm a fan of like old West stuff. I'm a fan of old war movies and stuff like that. It, it's such a different feel. Like I'm so used to like the, mm, not like the philosophy of Star Wars always kind of being crammed in your face, the theology of it. This is not that. I was a big fan of Rogue One because of the lack of that. You know what I mean? A lot, and, of, a lot of like the, the, uh, not the backbone, but I know what you're saying kind of like all the all the fanfare and like you know oh the the midichlorians, not that we want to talk about that, but like the force <laughs> and like the, the the whole like you said the mythology behind it and and all all of the the backstory or or what this like you know like the theology as you mentioned or the spirituality of the force it's kind of like this is a movie it's a little bit grittier it's a little bit like more not simplistic, but you don't have to worry about like otherworldly forces necessarily kind of coming into play with the character's motivations and the plot. Personally, to me, this is not a story of good against evil, like which is what we've had in every single Star Wars. It's like good against evil. This is like the grit of it. Like this is like the bounty hunter life. You know what I mean? These guys are badass, Jeff. I can't wait. There's wait. that one scene where it, like he's chasing and he, he catches the one guy and he starts closing the door on him and it cuts away. Yep, I'm like so. Uh, that, 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 that's what hooked me. I was like, "Oh, damn! Like that's gonna no, be crazy." Another character locked in carbonite, being brought to somebody. Yeah, I saw that too. That 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 took me back. Dude, the the, the freaking assassin droid just like taking a bunch of people out, like spitting blasts. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm 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 psyched for that show. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely uh, give it a give it a a watch through. But let's 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 leave Disney Plus. We'll leave the Star Wars for a second. Let's go back into our Game of Thrones talk, if you will. You know, uh, you know where I'm going with this, right? I do. As I said, I'm eternally grateful for Game of Thrones. Oh, that's that's a great segue, dude. That's like dum, probably dum. the best. Uh, I, yeah, that's great. You're eternally grateful. Well, Kit Harrington, known to most as the King of the North, Jon Snow, is joining the Eternals uh, movie, and he's going to be reunited with Rob Stark, Richard Madden. Ooh. Who's Icarus? Uh, Icarus, and uh, you know who uh, Kit Harrington's going to play? Uh, Black Knight. Black Knight, Dane Whitman. Mm. So, what you what do you what are your thoughts on the Eternals? What do you what are your thoughts on the casting? So the casting, um, the four standouts, obviously big Game of Thrones fan. So obviously the first two that jumped out to me were my two Game of Thrones characters. Then the third one that stuck out to me is uh, Selma Hayek which I couldn't even tell you the last movie I've seen Selma Hayek in. 
like which really doesn't matter but even bigger than that dude angelina jolie is playing athena now the last movie i remember angelina jolie being in was maleficent which is also a disney property so seeing her face pop out there i'm like disney knows what's up did like I don't know. I really, really, I'm, I'm excited for this. They put together a good cast, and I see like um, a lot of, a lot of fresh faces. Well, I don't know how to pronounce his other his name, and I'm going to butcher it, so I apologize in advance. But um, there's going to be two other characters that I, I've seen in other movies. Uh, uh, the comedian Kumail Nanjiani. He's uh, funny as hell. Yeah, and uh, Ma Dong Siok is going to be playing the forgotten one. And yep. I, like both of those actors are, are great. Gemma Chan's going to be in it. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry's going to be in it. Uh, there's there's tons of other like people, and uh, this, this cast is going to be like is as talented as hell. Now you know a great deal more about this than I do, but I've heard that they've gender swapped a few characters. Uh, you, to be quite fair, I know nothing of the Eternals, and I know nothing of like the the characters. You know, this is more of a KB question, I think. Well then, yeah. Let me try to let me try to be a little KB. Yeah, so what KB-ish. I know about the Eternals is it's a Jack Kirby production. Jack Kirby left, had a falling out with Marvel for about ten years, came back, and this was Jack Kirby's like first pet project, and ended up doing very well. So now the Celestials, um, which we got a peek at at Guardians of the Galaxy, nowhere. We see... What's that? Nowhere. No, no, we did. Oh, and nowhere. Ah, uh, you tricked me exactly we got to get a little peek of them in nowhere and so the celestials like used to come down to earth and would mess with the human dna now there would be like regular humans like you and i then there'd be the deviants which are the ones who the eternals are in constant battle with you know so it's crazy like a lot of this stuff like Obviously, it comes from, like, the mythology of what we learn in school today, but, like, with a superhero aspect of it. Um, like, look, obviously, Athena and Icarus, like, those two pop out to me. That's why they're burnt into my head. Like, wow, like, we're going to get, you know, some sort of, like, Greek mythology, which was something I was very, very big into in school. There's also a character who I is trapped in a 12-year-old's body. He's been alive for, like, 7,000 years or something, like imagine all the knowledge you know i'm gonna i'm gonna make but, a very dated reference but it's like uh, joseph gordon levitt and third rock from the sun and yes, only like good, four people four people are gonna get that but um yeah no and to your point just to, to kind of bring the the listeners back in so those that have watched guardians of the galaxy volume one when they flew into the head of the celestial basically nowhere where the collector had all of his collection and his his shop Nowhere was the place. It was basically the hollow, hollowed-out head of a celestial. And then in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Star-Lord's father, Ego, Ego yep. is a celestial. He is. So, okay, I watched a whole little interview like speaking on this because I honestly have no background on the Eternals until watching this interview. Now, Ego was an unguided celestial that's why he was mainly in his human form he goes through this whole explanation of i was just there and i was just being but the celestials as we saw in volume one are like titans they're huge you know what i mean like they their power just keeps forming and they're monstrous you know ego never got to continue his development that's why the guardians were able to defeat him if he was in his full form it i i don't feel like we would have had the outcome that we got that's that's an interesting take, yeah. Because they placed the bomb on his, you know, the planet's living brain or whatever it was, and yeah. So I mean, we've already met two celestial beings. Not necessarily saying they're going to be tied to the Eternals, but the Celestials created the Eternals, correct? Yes. So we're going to basically see these gods and the creation. So we know that these gods, these Celestials, can be killed because we saw on Nowhere we saw the hollowed out head of the Nowhere Celestial. So. Now we have the Eternals. We're going to meet all these characters. Like I said, I just I'm really excited for the for the the cast. I think the cast is very very um, talented. I'm curious. Like, and it's the same way I mentioned it yesterday that um, on the previous episode that you know I wasn't necessarily a go for Guardians of the Galaxy because I'm like I don't know who this crew is, and ended up becoming one of my favorite flicks in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm going to give the same benefit of the doubt to the Eternals and just hopefully be pleasantly surprised. 
I'm right there with you, and I think they were very, very wise for bringing in four, well, um, two very well-known actresses and two young, upcoming, you know, series stars like Rob Stark and Jon Snow from the Game of Thrones series. Like, they, I, I feel like they've done very, very well laying because look, just off that alone, if you were a fan of Game of Thrones, you're gonna say, "Oh, I kind of want to see that." I mean, look, I mean, I watched the movie Pompeii, and the movie was horrendous. Yep, I've John seen it. Snow too. was in it, yep. so I watched it. You know. Also, shout out to Jessica Lucas, who I think is amazing. She played, I believe, like the handmaiden or whatnot in Pompeii, but she played uh, Tabitha on Gotham, and she was amazing in that. So that's that's why I watched Pompeii, not necessarily for Jon Snow, but more for her. Um, Speaking of, though, watching it and having a female character kind of take the lead, let's talk about Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. Thoughts on that trailer, Don? I'll, I'm going to let you run with this. I let Johnny Leathers run with it on the previous episode. Just go all out, tell me everything you know on it, and, and I'll just sit back and listen. Okay, so realistically, the only thing that like continues to like burn in my head is her with the red lightsaber. Like the whole trailer was like, I really can't. Honestly, I watched it twice, and I the only thing I've been thinking is, why does she have that red lightsaber? Like, what the hell is going on with this? Is she flipping sides? That's what is the rule. That's what Johnny Leathers is thinking. Is is the rule of two going to apply? But then where's the Jedi? Like, there always has to be a balance in the Force. Like that's what that's the law of Star Wars. And now we're bound, and, and then if you look at the Sith side of it, it's the rule of two, a master and an apprentice. We have not really got, like, we really have not got another Jedi who, you know, is, is, is Leia going to train someone with her very minute knowledge of the Force, which is really not even knowledge, it's it's instinct, or not instinct. It's, More of a uh, feeling, it's a feeling. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, like... You, you notice the kid at the end of oh goodness at the end of episode eight maybe like hold you know like he's wearing like the rebellion ring and he you know well, uses isn't, the force. isn't that rogue one or am i mistaken mm, no because i think you are mistaken my okay. friend because it's the it's not po oh goodness gracious my style was a slacking right now um, Maybe I'm thinking of a different scene. Isn't it the one with like it's the one with the blind Jedi? Or, or okay, what? that's that's what you're okay. You are thinking Rogue One. I am not. I am thinking when they hit the casino planet and they're making their escape. You know, like the guys, um, the guys saying like, "Oh, it looks." Oh, Finn, Chief is Don. Finn, Finn is telling the girl like, "Wow, this place is beautiful." And blah blah blah. And the girl tells him look a little closer and it shows the animals getting abused and the kids who take care of the animals getting abused you know one of those little children that's on that planet has the ability to use the force and the movie kind of like shows it shows a little homage to like the original poster of you know of episode four with you know the guy hold you know luke it's obviously luke like holding the lightsaber but you can't really tell it's a lightsaber in that you know the kid holding the broom looking up at the stars with some sort of hope in his you know he could be the new new hope if you will okay i, I probably i thought for whatever reason that was rogue one but i i'm probably totally mistaken um i do want to ask you though so the title rise of skywalker what do you think that refers to i don't even know she is she is she cannot be skywalker's kid i just i don't i watched a i like i watched this whole thing on who uh, raised parents like a few different videos and so far the most reasonable thing that i've seen yet is ray is just a clone like if you've ever played any of the um force unleashed video games yep like that's what they were doing they were trying to make force sensitive clones and i mean like there is a chance that someone smuggled Ray out of there, you know, whoever her quote unquote parents are, which it realistically could have been Obi-Wan. And that's why she's hearing Obi-Wan's voice because Obi-Wan is the one who found Kamino, which is the planet where they were raising all the stormtroopers. All the stormtroopers obviously were all men. For all we know, there could have been another planet where they were not focusing on creating 
just foot soldiers where they were really doing the deep work of trying to create, you know, force sensitive people. Well, so my question is this, the cloned stormtroopers, who were they cloned from? They were cloned from Django Fett, who so, is Boba Fett's father. Right. So well, do you think they think it's possible that maybe Luke did have a kid and they cloned her? I don't know. Maybe she's still held captive. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. It's tough with Luke because Luke, Luke. Everyone's tried to push us that Luke is a good guy. Like Luke is the light side of the force, but the truth is, Luke is very gray. He is. He uses both light and dark. The fact that he used a a, a force choke in Jabba the Hutt's lair, like I mean, that's not something that a Jedi does. A Jedi does not seek to inflict pain. You know. But to be fair, how much training did he actually have in the in the Jedi ways by Yoda? Uh, minimal, minimal with Yoda and with with Obi Wan. His training was very very minimal. So I, so, but then it's possible what, he could learn moving forward more learning the ways after the fact. From who though? That's who a great question. Have, who could have taught Luke a, um, a Force choke or? Or, or a great many things like Luke didn't get the sacred texts until after the events of episode six. That's very true. So I guess it's going to just have to be an unanswered question. And also the Mandalorian picks up after episode six too. I'm not sure if you knew that. No, I did not. So it's a way to bridge everything together. Yeah. So Luke Perfect. is still around. Han is still around. Chewie, like all of our guys are still around, but we're just not seeing that. Another thing that popped out in my head is Apollo Creed is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Dude, what? <laughs> oh, Gonna be man. crazy, dude. Yeah, that's just a random like I was like, wait, that was Apollo. Let me let me rewind that. Oh man. It's gonna be interesting. It'll be very interesting. But I take it so Mandalorian drops on Disney Plus in November. And Star Wars episode nine Rise of Skywalker comes out on Christmas, I Christmas, believe. Christmas, yes. So we have a lot to look forward to. And as I mentioned, August 31st is Marvel's 80th birthday. But if you want to check out an awesome documentary on Netflix, check out, it's about five years old now at this point, but it's called Marvel 75 Years from Pulp to Pop. And Emily Van Camp, a.k.a. Sharon Cotter, I can't talk, my follower accent came out. Did you hear that? <laughs> Emily Cotter. Van Camp. Sharon Carter hosts this one-of-a-kind experience showing off the history and development of Marvel from the first comic book to the latest blockbuster hit as of, you know, 2014. So it's definitely, it's on Netflix right now. It's, uh, they have tons of different uh, people who contributed to the Marvel Universe, including Stan Lee. And it's good to see, like, kind of like Stan talking, you know, very adamantly and lovingly about his, his work. But um, it's definitely a recommendation. So check that out. And uh, Don, I want to thank you for being on the podcast, sir. Thank you very much for having me. So, it was good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. I know we don't usually do start your weekend with your geek friend anymore, but you can still – KB's been doing your catchphrase. So we, we, look forward, we look forward to getting you back. We look forward to when you can do this uh, more consistently. You're always welcome here, but thank you for being on. And Donnie, uh, hit him with a catchphrase, please. Get your geek on. Goodbye, everybody. You're still here. It's over. Go home.